Don't you love that? It, especially if you can somehow fit Bing Crosby and Michael Buble together, right? Pretty, pretty special. That's, um, that's a famous Christmas song. Actually, it's the best-selling single of all time. Great, great song. Now, there's also a movie called White Christmas. How many of you have ever watched the movie? Let's have a, not near as many as first service, but I'm glad, glad that your hands are up. Uh, the movie is almost forgotten, but back in 1954 when it came out, it was a really, really big time movie. And uh, it, it, it's a great movie for us to look at today because it really is about real life. And even if your hand wasn't up, you're in, you're in good luck this morning because the biblical application is pretty simple from the background of this movie. But it's a movie about peace and war, about love and misunderstandings, about financial strife, about generosity, about caring for the people around you. It's just a great movie. And here's the really cool thing to me. There are no curse words, no nudity, and no violence. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Can you believe a great movie can be like that? Now, I do warn you, though, those of you who grew up in the Church of Christ or you're Baptist, there's a lot of dancing. (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of dancing, and we know that's a problem, okay? In fact, the most famous, one of the most famous songs in the movie is actually the best things happen when you're dancing. So what made White Christmas such a big hit? Uh, let me give you four quick reasons, okay? First of all, it connected multiple songs into a story. Uh, the song White Christmas was written by a famous composer, Irving Berlin. And he wrote a lot of songs like even like God Bless America. I mean, he was like the Mariah Carey, the Taylor Swift, the, well, let me see if I can remember this guy's name. I'm supposed to remember really, really quickly. Post Malone. Can you believe I could even <laughs> give me some credit, okay? Post Malone. But um, I mean, he's just a great, great composer. And here's the deal what makes this movie so fascinating is that all these songs existed before the movie. And so what they wanted to do, and, and Irving Berlin, believe it or not, was a Jewish man, they wanted to take all of these different songs and somehow tie them together into a story that became the movie, which is pretty cool. Now, second thing that made it such a big hit is it introduced a new technology that improved the picture quality. Uh, if you see the, the poster outside or you see the trailer for the movie, it's all about Vista Vision. It was a great new technology that made color vivid, that made motion better. It was just a big deal. In fact, that technology pretty much was the best technology about Star Wars. I mean, it's almost like the IMAX of today. And so it gave us some incredible pictures. I mean, let me just go ahead and show you a picture of the, um, the two couples that sort of star in this movie. And, and you can see there's Bob and Betty, and there is Phil and Judy on the other side. And the movie surrounds... These couples, obviously Bob is Bing Crosby, you also have in there Danny Kaye, you know, some really famous people in that day, and the picture introduces this new technology that makes things really, really clear. And then a couple more points, it presented hope for a new beginning. 1954, just go with me in history for a second, America lived through the Great Depression, World War II, just finished the Korean War, and people were ready for something new. It was a new beginning. In fact, for the first 
time in 20 years the Democrats are voted out of office and Ike Eisenhower, a Republican, becomes the president. There was a sense of newness in the air. And also, number four, it exhibited peace after a time of war. America had been at war a long, long time. The Korean War didn't end until 1953. This movie came out in 1954, and it's about finding peace after that terrible time. So that's what made White Christmas a really, really big deal. And a hit. Let me just review those with you just a second. It connected multiple songs into a story, introduced new technology, made the picture clear, presented hope for a new beginning, and exhibited peace after a long time of war. Now, why are you emphasizing those four points? Because they give us the basis of what we're going to talk about today. What makes Christmas a big deal? You know, I mean, you think about that, that song and just, you know, in Montgomery, Alabama, to sing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas either takes a lot of wishful thinking or incredible faith, right? I mean, when, when we've had 80-degree weather, But this story that we talk about in Christmas also takes a great deal of faith. But this gives us the platform to understand how big a deal it was. First of all, Jesus invites us to a place in an epic story. You see, White Christmas strung all these songs together to make a story. And Jesus came to invite you and I into a story. See, sometimes, guys, we just live life, you know, we go to school, we go to work, we come home, you know, we eat, we sleep, we do it over again, and life seems rather meaningless. I've just got my own individual life going out here. But you see, the best way to understand Christianity, and frankly, the best way to understand the Bible is that it's story. And you read through the sweep of the Bible, don't get too lost in all the details that you can't see this incredible story of a God who created us to have a love relationship with us, of us rebelling against him, and of a God constantly pursuing us that finally ends up with God on a cross dying for our sins. Listen to what Galatians 4.4 says about this story. When the set time had fully come, here's the Here's the climax of the story. God sent his son, born of a woman, there's Mary, born under the law. God pursues us. And here's not only does God pursue us, but he writes us into this story. I love the psalm that says that we were knit together in our mother's womb. God who knit you together to be special is also knit your life together to be a part of this great story. In fact, when Jesus left this earth, he left us to continue the story. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Now, here's the key line. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. My friends, when Jesus left, he thought the earth would be in much better shape because the Holy Spirit would indwell us and we would fill the earth with his presence. So here's the beautiful thing. Your life is more than just your individual life. It's part of a broader story. And even as you look over this past year, the year 2022, I'm sure you see some really good things that happen, some really bad things that happen. You may have had some incredible highs and some incredible lows, or maybe all you had was lows. You've done some really good things. Maybe you've done some really bad things. Here's the great thing about God. 
He's able to take all of that and make it part of the story. That's why we all love Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now, Paul didn't say everything there is good, but he said God can work through everything to accomplish good. You see, we're a part of a much bigger story that we've been invited to participate in. He has written us into the story. And the story all reaches an apex at the birth of Jesus. In fact, you and I are aware that history is divided between before Jesus and after Jesus. Number two, what makes Christmas a big deal? You see, let me just say this for a second. I love being a part of a church where we make Christmas a big deal, don't you? Some of us grew up in a tradition where we didn't. Some of us grew up in families where we talked a lot about Santa Claus, but not about Jesus Christ. And I so love the work our praise team and band put in to making these songs so special. And I don't know about you, but this is probably my favorite stage decorations we've ever had. And uh, we got to give, give a hand to Lisa Bone, who put all this together and made it, made it really beautiful. But Christmas is a big deal because it's a part of this story. And it's also a big deal because Jesus gives us a vivid picture of who God is. You know, White Christmas was favorite, famous because of VistaVision that made the picture quality come alive. But Christmas is something much, much bigger It makes God come alive. If God before Jesus was black and white, now he's in living color. If our vision of him through all these Old Testament stories was fuzzy, now it's clear. If it's even like it's been to me reading the Old Testament, sort of even confusing, now it's compelling. So he's given us this great picture. There's an old man named Simeon that's been hanging out in the temple just waiting for Jesus to come. Mary and Joseph go in the temple, and Simeon must have shocked him when he went up and he grabbed the baby. And he holds Jesus in his hands. And listen to the words he says. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He holds the baby and he looks into the face of God and all of history has been waiting. And then John tells us how important this was. Look at John chapter 1. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. Some translations say there he's explained God. So if you ever struggle with your picture of God, the best advice I can give you would change my life was to be at a focus on Jesus Christ. What really excited me about being a Christian after many years of hearing a lot of sermons on Acts, which was exciting, and even the epistles and all the do's and don'ts of Scripture is when I finally began to hear some sermons that focused on Jesus. And I saw a picture of God I had not picked up on, and it changed my life. And even Jesus says to his disciples, John chapter 14, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. You see me, you've seen God. Now, and as we see God, and we see this clear picture of God, he's really amazing. I mean, if we didn't have this picture of Jesus, I think we'd have a hard time putting this together. 
But look at what this passage says about each individual in this room right now. 1 Timothy 2. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. If you are in this room today or you exist on this globe, God wants everybody to be saved. He's got that heart for us. I'll never forget hearing a preacher decades ago named Stanley Ship say, the older I grow, the more I recognize I'm a whole lot worse than I thought I was. And God's a whole lot better than I ever thought he was. As we see that in Jesus Christ. And then number three, Jesus brings us hope for a new beginning. The image of white Christmas, you understand, is, is the snow falling. And, and it pictures an idyllic New England city where the snow covers the ground. We even say in our own vernacular, it looks as pure as the driven snow. But here's what you need to know this morning, is this beautiful picture of snow existed way before White Christmas was sung or the movie was ever played. It's a biblical idea that we must embrace. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said about what Jesus would do for us. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, read this out loud, me. They will be as what? Thank you, Jeremy Swindle. They will be as what? White as snow. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. That's the promise of Jesus. And even 300 years before this, David, when he got himself in his big mess, and he's crying to God for a new beginning, listen to what he says. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be, say it with me, whiter than snow. What a great picture. We don't always get to to recognize this because many of us have just lived through a few snows in our life. But there's something so amazingly gorgeous about waking up after a heavy snowfall. Look at this picture of this house. I mean, you see that and everything looks crystal and beautiful. Listen to me a second. When you see that picture in the snow before we mess it up, you don't see the cracks in the sidewalks. You don't see the weeds or the blank spots in the lawn. You don't see a roof that's in need of repair. You actually see a perfect picture. And that's the picture that Scripture's trying to give us of our lives through the blood of Jesus. It's pure as the driven snow. And that's what we celebrate this morning. You know, there are two major Christian sacraments that celebrate this. The first is baptism. And that's the place where we have that incredible promise in Scripture that all of our sins are washed away, that we receive the remission of our sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what a beautiful sight we saw last Sunday when Alex Heilman was baptized and we could claim those promises. Over this past year, we've witnessed that 32 times. And what a beautiful, beautiful representative that because of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus and meeting him in that place, not because of what Alex did or any of us have done, but because of what Jesus has done, there is complete forgiveness and we appear pure as snow. 
And then the second Christian sacrament that we're about to participate in right now is communion. And this is meant for us to be that weekly reminder of where we stand in God. You see, if you're like me, sometimes I can look back at my baptism, and I remember walking out of that building so in love with God and knowing that I was perfect in God's sight. But if you're like me, it's really hard day to day when you keep on messing up. And that's why God gave us the incredible sacrament of communion, Lord's Supper, of us coming together to remember what he's done for us. Don't turn it into a time of guilt. Allow it to be a time of celebration. You see, when we partake of communion, we remember all the cracks are covered. All the weeds are gone. There's no repairs needed, not in the sight of God. In fact, this morning, in just a moment, we're going to invite you to go to all the tables around the room and take communion. And I want to challenge you, if you would, to take communion with somebody this morning. might be the person you're sitting beside or someone you want to see across the audience or just somebody you love or someone you meet in line at the table. You see, listen to me. When, when communion was first instituted, it was instituted around a table. It was actually done in the first century around a family meal. It was not meant to be the time for me to get in my bubble with God. It was meant to be a time of us to all be together celebrating what God has done for us. So this morning, I want to encourage you. We do this every Sunday in this service. Take advantage of this opportunity to not only meet with God, but to meet with your brothers and sisters. And here's a question I'd like to pose for you to think about and even discuss in this time. What will you let God cover up with his love? Thinking about where you are right now. Even looking back at this whole year, Maybe even something you did yesterday. Where do you need to embrace this picture? That you can have a white Christmas and appear as white as snow. So talk about that a minute and pray together. Let me pray right now. Father, we thank you so much, God, for the Christmas message. It's a big deal. And what hope we receive that Jesus, your son, visited this earth. He interrupted us in all of our despair and discouragement and all of our sin. Not only came to this earth, but lived a life where he could be a sacrifice for our sins. So now when you look at us through his blood, you see that beautiful picture of a white lawn where every mistake is covered up. And in your eyes, because of your son, Jesus, we all have this new beginning. It is not just one time in our life. Your grace and your mercies are new every morning. So Lord, as we partake together, help us to embrace this beautiful, beautiful promise of Scripture that our sins are gone and we appear before you as white as snow. That would be a white Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love all the things we've talked about so far this morning of what makes Christmas such a special time. Jesus invites us to be a part of this epic story. Jesus gives us this incredible picture of God. Jesus allows us to know that we can have a brand new beginning. Let me just make one more point. Jesus enables peace among us. 
you watch the movie White Christmas, I encourage you to do that. It's really all about relationships. And, and two of the special relationships are these men in the army, Phil and Bob. And at the beginning of the movie, they're still in World War II, and Phil actually saves Bob's life. And for the rest of um, their life, Phil thinks that gives him permission to pretty much run Bob's life. But as you watch the movie, there's some really sweet scenes about friendship. Phil says to um, Bob one day, you're really a miserable man. And then he tries to set him up, which feels he, Bob's at first pretty um, averse to, with a beautiful lady named Betty. But I love this line that Phil says finally to Bob, when you're happy, I'm happy. How many friends would say that to each other? But even after everything seems to be in place, there's this big misunderstanding. The movie also centers around this General Waverly who they'd served under during World War II. And General Waverly's assistant, a lady named Emma, overheard a phone call from Bob trying to set up some really nice things. But she only hears a portion of the conversation as she eavesdrops and she begins to spread some gossip. Then the long run runs Bob's girlfriend, Betty, to just leave without giving any explanation. And Bob has to chase her down to make the relationship well. He said, but what is the point? The point is the Christmas story is not simply about you being reconciled with God and in a good relationship with God. It's also a story of peace among us. As we know in our culture today, with all the division and all the strife, Even when we're not in a time of war, my goodness, we know for people to really get along and to love each other is extremely unique. And that's what Jesus came to bring. Listen to what the angel said when Jesus arrived, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. My friends, he's come to bring us peace. And listen to how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, all this is from God through Christ. God made peace between us and himself, and God gave us the work of telling everyone about the peace we can have in him. You see, that peace is with you and God, but here's the cool thing. When our hearts are changed by God, that peace begins to flow out of us and into our relationships. Why? Because we are so touched and changed by Jesus. He is the model of who God is like, and he is the model of how we ought to live that our lives start looking like him. Just two qualities I'd like to mention this morning. First of all, our lives become very generous and very giving. And Christians, you know, we we hear a lot of bad press about Christians today, but they don't want to tell you that 70% of giving to help people in needy in our country is done by Christians. Christians give much more to help people than the federal government ever dreamed about. Why? Because we have been given so much through Jesus. The natural reaction is for us to to, to flow out of us. And my friends, you did this last Sunday. Last Sunday, if you weren't with us, we took up for the Meredith Foundation. That's a foundation that Jerry and Monica Green started when their daughter died at a very young age to be able to buy Christmas for kids who wouldn't have Christmas. My friends, you gave $39,360 last Sunday. Thank you very much. And and what a beautiful thing, you know, if you were able to show up at Walmart on Chantilly on Wednesday night, which about 70 of you did, to scan out across that that place and to buy those gifts. 
to think about those kids. And now those of you with a really tough job continue that by, by rapping to make it really special. That's the spirit of Christmas. That's the spirit of Jesus. But Jesus also didn't just model giving. He also modeled what most of us need almost every day is forgiving. Because of what Jesus has done for us, the standard has been changed. We are to treat people the way Jesus has treated us. And my friends, Jesus has forgiven me for the unimaginable. He has you too. And allows us to forgive one another for things that really, really hurt. I'm not saying that's easy. In fact, we are to forgive one another as he's forgiven us. Jesus even made the point, if we don't forgive, he can't forgive us. And that's part of this story, is that God has come so that our reconciliation and forgiveness is with him, and also we can reconcile with people in our life. And I love the stories in our culture because Christian forgiveness is so revolutionary. I mean, I I don't know that I could do this, but you hear stories of mothers whose sons or daughters were murdered by someone who go visit the murderer in jail and end up building a relationship. We hear stories of enemies that you'd never think maybe on both sides of World War II or both sides of the crisis in the Middle East, that because of Christ are able to come together. Even in this room right now, I guarantee you, there are stories of reconciliation and forgiveness and friendship, and there are incredible stories of reconciliation and forgiveness in marriages. Many of us would say our marriage would never make it without a great deal of forgiveness. And that's what's so beautiful about this movie, White Christmas, It puts a premium on relationships. The movie centers around these two couples, but it also starts and ends with this general that they had served under in World War II that they really revered. And they find out that after the war, he's come back, but not being a general, he's really had a hard time finding his place in culture. And so General Waverly buys an inn in Vermont. It's a beautiful place, but here's the problem is dependent on snowfall. And so he's invested all of his saving in this inn, and the snow's not falling, and there's no business. And that's where these two soldiers come in, and they decide to do something about it. They get on what we would call the Ed Sullivan Show, making sure General Waverly's not tuning in at that moment to ask all the troops who had served under him to show up on Christmas Eve at this little inn in Vermont so he can make enough money to continue to support himself. And that evening, they all show up. And so the movie ends, and Bob and Phil have coronated this incredible surprise for the general. Watch the clip as it concludes. If the movie needed a a stronger conclusion, how it concludes then is after this scene, they open the doors, and snow is falling, and they have a beautiful, beautiful white Christmas But here's what I want you to understand as we begin to conclude this morning. The the song White Christmas was first sung in a time of great despair. The first time it was sung was Christmas Day, 1941. Bing Crosby sang the song there. And he sang it sadly and soulfully. Because just 18 days before this, Pearl Harbor had been bombed. And the nation was in a time of great sadness. And so this was an expression of sadness and seeking hope. 
And I want to say this to so many of us today. Christmas can be a time of great disappointment. You see, it seems to me that so often Christmas magnifies whatever problems we have in our life. If there's relationship strife, it seems worse than Christmas. If you've lost someone, oh my goodness, it's magnified that empty seat at the table. If you're going through financial crisis, it's very difficult. If you're watching people and they have everything and have the picture-perfect social media posts and yours doesn't look that way, it just magnifies it. And so today, we want to give a moment for us to pray about that. We are 14 days from Christmas. And many of you in here are facing challenges and disappointments. In fact, here's a question I'd like to ask. What disappointments or challenges are you facing this Christmas season? And we're going to give you an opportunity not to write something out for me to read publicly, or, but we're going to give you an opportunity to pray with some people. So let me invite all of our shepherds and their wives and ministers and their spouses. There may be some in the back. I think Zane and Cheryl Kirkland may be going to the back corner. The rest of them will be up here. Brian and Kristen, can I ask you guys to come stand up here and, and take, take prayers with people? just want to make sure that we have plenty, plenty of people to pray with. And Jerry and Monica, would you guys come down here and stand? And what I'm asking you to do, and we may need a little challenging to do this, is don't, don't walk out of here without us giving these concerns to God. Because Christmas does magnify these issues. And I've been in enough classes, I've been in enough small groups that if you meet before Christmas and say, you know, what's the challenge? Are you looking forward to Christmas? It it just always shocks me the amount of people who just want to make it through Christmas. Or the people that this is going to show up conflict in their families. Or it's just going to show up some bad things in their life. But see, the only way to overcome this magnification of our problems in Christmas is in place of that is to do what we're supposed to be doing, which is magnifying Jesus. You see, guys, when we make Jesus big, even our worst problems begin to look small. And so we're going to sing an incredible song in just a moment called Make Room for Him. I love this song. And that's what we're trying to do in these moments. But here's what I'm inviting you to do, and don't hesitate. All you got to do is come up here and tell some of these folks your name. Tell them the disappointment or the hurt that you're facing. And just let them pray for you on the spot prepare you to leave that at the foot of Jesus for these next 14 days. So let's make room for Jesus in the midst of this where Satan's trying to magnify all this bad in your life. Let's magnify Jesus and make room for him. And so if you'd like to pray with someone or if you'd like to surrender your life to Jesus, meet us down front here. You can have a brand new beginning. Let's all stand together and sing.